Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is the on again, off again, uh, Dr. Simon uh, on again, uh, bringing you a show about the uh, owning the stories we live by. And um, I want to uh, uh, sort of talk about why I want to talk about this topic at this point. Uh, I haven't been on uh, the air for a while. I haven't done very much since the summer. Um, But I just came back from a trip to, it was a cruise, really quite wonderful, to the Greek Isles and uh, some other places. But one of the islands we stopped at was Rhodes, um, an ancient island with an old city, a lot of old cities uh, in that part of the world, Uh, 24, 2500 years old, established by the Greeks, then taken over and reestablished and rebuilt by the Romans, then by the uh, Turks, uh, invaded by the Crusades, um, all kinds of incredible amounts of history in that area. And uh, one of the most interesting aspects of Rhodes in this old city is a small synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, um, that sits down a tiny side street. Well, all the little streets are tiny. uh, In front of which is a monument. And it turns out that there has been a uh, Jewish population on this island for uh, millennia, more than 2,000 years. And there are very few Jews left there now because in 1943, all 1,600 of these uh, inhabitants, these Jewish inhabitants, plus some of the uh, local inhabitants, the non-Jewish inhabitants, uh, who tried to protect them, were either shot to death by the Nazis uh, or uh, transported out until uh, to uh, Auschwitz and other concentration and death camps. And we went into the to the uh, synagogue, and there was a remarkable man, um, 78 years old, who was telling his story. He was telling the story of uh, his uh, being one of the only 150 survivors of the 1,643 Jews that began. Hi, Marion. Uh, all all of the rest of these people uh, were dead. And he did not speak English, um, this gentleman, but he told the most remarkable story of his survival um, in in this terrible death camp. And um, it seemed to me that his story should be told, not just by him, but by uh, those of us who heard the story, uh, stood there weeping as he told the story, and um, uh, made this story known to the world because there would be many in the world who would deny that his story ever took place. Um, 
The man's name, by the way, was Samuel Modiano, 78 years old. And he didn't um, tell his story till he was 72. And he woke up one morning wondering why he should continue to live. Uh, that's something, you know, that psychologists call survivor guilt. But uh, for those of you who listen to my show, you know I hate all of these psychiatric terms. Um, but it, it, I, instead, here's a guy who, who survived, and I'm going to tell his story, but not today. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to tell his story alone, but by a woman by the name of Stella Levy, Levi, who showed up at, a little bit later as we were listening, a group of us were listening to uh, Samuel tell his story, translated by a friend of his, because he doesn't speak English. And it turns out she lives in New York, and she was also one of the survivors. And she knew his mother, his family, and um, she wants to tell her story as well. And I got very excited at this idea. Uh, November 17th at 4 o'clock, tell your friends, uh, she's going to come on. I hope this works out. Uh, she's not young. Uh, I called her today. And uh, she was not feeling well. I hope her health will improve, uh, although she had been traveling. And uh, uh, if you sit on these airplanes going overseas, you're bound to get sick. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to tell his story. And I wanted to talk about the telling of stories, our personal stories, and why I think it's so critically important. Let me begin with a more limited view that was my view when I was trained as a so-called uh, clinical psychologist and, and retained a lot of those ideas all the way through uh, my, my adulthood and, and into my uh, senior years, where slowly I shed them for this other very different point of view. Um, oftentimes, what, what we were taught was that people bury unhappy or frightening memories from their past. But these things are buried in what we were told was the unconscious, and they influence how we live our lives, how we avoid things, uh, uh, the excuses we make up, the kind of misery we get ourselves into. Uh, we relive these events, reenactments they're called. And I don't have any beef with that except for the fact that I do believe that what we construct about our lives out of the events of our lives is a story. So that our past shapes one kind of a story, uh, which includes the image we have of ourselves, uh, the kind of self we're willing to live with, uh, what events we approach, what events we avoid, what experiences excite us, what experiences frighten us, disgust us, what makes us happy, what makes us sad, that we, we have all of these stories, and these past events are contained within the story, or else the story works to deny or hide the events themselves. And the, the stories continue to influence us, even if we don't think about them or we pretend about those elements that went to shape the story in the first place. So, for example... Uh, a, a child who undergo, whose parents divorce when he's three uh, and blames him or herself for the divorce, 
will tell a kind of a story that would be very different than if they didn't blame themselves for the divorce. So even though they don't ever say, I blame myself for the divorce, the story they live by and the interpretations of events that uh, are future to their lives uh, that will be interpreted are all shaped by these this particular set of events that set off and shaped the kind of story they live by. So that, for example, the child who uh, was abused or went through this terrible divorce may blame themselves. They may think of themselves as a villain, as a bad person. And as I've spoken about many times, they may either see themselves as a villain or create a story in which they're perfect, in which they can do no wrong. Uh, in which they won't hear any kind of criticism, in which they seek power from other people, or in which they seek to have others take control over their own lives because they don't feel adequate within that story that they live by to uh, take responsibility for their lives. Now, I think this is fairly clear. I don't think I'm making too much. uh, This gets too complex. Um, I remember once a student saying to me, as we were talking about this topic, that she could never tell the story of her childhood because it contained terrible physical and sexual abuse. And that whenever she tries to tell the story or think about it, she buries it because it would mean living through it again. And I thought this was very interesting uh, and very important because I certainly wouldn't want somebody to talk about something Uh, that would cause them to relive the most awful events of their lives and thereby um, uh, uh, be be frightened and upset all over again and deepen the bad parts of their story, and I'm using a judgment here, the bad parts of the story, or uh, fly away from reality even more than they may have uh, up until this point. But I said to her, you know, your history is contained in that story, and that if you can't tell your history, if you can't uh, live with your history, I think you're bound either to reenact your history, relive the history over and over again, or pick a direction for your life that may contain all kinds of serious problems that wouldn't exist were you to come to grips with these terrible events in your life. And I said to her, as we talked about this, and she was willing to talk about this, this aspect of it in the classroom, I said, what happened to you when you were a child, what you think you did wrong, what was done for you that, to you that was terrifying, no longer exists. The past does not exist. The self that experienced those stories which still somehow exists in you as you think about those stories, hasn't changed because you haven't come to grips with the fact that it is the past. And what happened in the past happened, A, to a child who could do no different or could think no differently uh, uh, than when, when these things occurred, but potentially exists to a person sitting in this classroom, in this room with us, a totally different person who, if she tells the story, and it doesn't even have to be told to us, uh, although I think another person should be involved, um, I think if you could tell the story, a new self would exist. 
And this self wouldn't be terrified, would be aware of, of looking back in a fairly a different objective way of those events, and therefore wouldn't relive the story, but would come to own the story. It would be a piece of the narrative of one's life, of your life, that would be different. And therefore, you'd have choices that you wouldn't have otherwise. Now, I think it's important that if you do tell the story, and now I'm talking to her, I'm talking to all of you who might hear this, it has to be with somebody who won't share the fear you have that's contained, or the anger, or the guilt, or the shame, because it's usually those emotions that, that force us to shape a story that often is not in our interest to live by and interpret the future with. Um, it, it, this story um, must be shaped in a, in a, a series, in, a, in an environment that's safe. Safe. Uh, we, we have to have this politically safe, emotionally safe, so that the person listening can't say, oh my God, that's disgusting. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe that happened to you. It has to be uh, calm, it has to be objective, it has to be fair, and it has to allow you an opportunity to feel like an adult, to feel grown up, to feel like a person that this once happened to, but it's not happening to again. And I really hope this makes sense. Um, I hope this is clear. Uh, let me see, there's somebody here who wants to call in. Hello? Hello? Hello, you're on the air? Hello? Hello? Hello, 919-781-1712, you're on the air? Yeah, this is Dr. Ayesh from Raleigh, North Carolina, greeting from Pay It Forward to Four. Yes? I'm sorry? Hello. Are you with me? Yes. What, 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 what can I help you? What can you? What would you like to say? Uh, I would like to uh, share with you my passion. Which is? Uh, to bring people together, regardless of race, color, or creed to eliminate disease and live in peace with no poverty. Well, that would be my goal, too, but not today, because today I have a, a specific topic. So I'll tell you what. Why don't um, uh, uh, you send me uh, your – I'm going to keep your phone number, and I'll give you a call later, and maybe we can do a show in which later on in which you come on and tell me about your passion. How would that be? That would be great. That would be great? Okay, hold on a second. Okay. I enjoy your show, sir. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, thank you for calling in. Okay. Um, so let me go back to Samuel. Sam, of course, I, I realized I veered off and gave this all this history, and I left Samuel sitting and telling his story. Until he was uh, 72, Samuel never told the story to anyone. And again, wondered why he, he was alive. Why did he survive 
out of all these 1,600 people when only 151 survived, and actually only two survived uh, being shot by the Nazis. I mean, that's an incredible piece of the story. He was put up uh, into a grave and shot at with another 150 men in Auschwitz, and one of the bullets missed him. And he climbed up out of that grave with all of those dead bodies, and he walked away. And he realized that at the age of 72 that uh, if he was spared, there had to be a purpose, there had to be a reason, or he had to create a purpose, and that would be to tell the story. And not just to himself, but to tell the story to others, to tell the story, uh, to tell a story that would ensure, like our, list, uh, our caller just now, uh, that people could share in this story and be more loving and less hateful, and that maybe he can do something that would prevent this from happening again. And I think that's exactly what telling stories can achieve. Now, next week, I want to do a, 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 a talk about telling stories that are political stories. I did this a few weeks ago. And I talked about those uh, stories I keep hearing politicians tell that are, have more death than life contained with them. And I, uh, this campaign, I wish this was over. I won't even tell you who I want to win, although I meant, think you can guess. But so many of these stories are divisive stories. They're the kind of stories that lead people to fear other people, to hate other people, and ultimately if they hate them enough to want to kill them. And I think this is a, a, a really uh, a very, very serious problem. Uh, when I listen to all of these uh, stories, and I have to admit, I really do have to admit, that I hear more of them from uh, the Republican side than the Democratic side, even though the Democratic side has some really nasty uh, ads but the Republicans really have never talked about the issues. Uh, it's hard for them, I think, to talk about issues right now since they've been in power for the last eight years. And for the last eight years, they have kept power by dividing us as a people and dividing us as a people in a way as to say, if you vote for me, you are the better person, and only the better person will vote for us, and if not, you're a bad person. And, and uh, you're not a good American, and this now is a showing up in, McCain, in McCain and especially Palin's uh, 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 campaigns with people who are thirsty and hateful, uh, really bloodthirsty and really hateful. The idea that if you live in a city, you're the bad person. The idea that if uh, uh, you want to share the wealth, you're a socialist. Gee, that brings us back to the days when people were pinkos and commies. And uh, this is really very disturbing. And what you don't see is much of a dialogue. You don't see a dialogue across parties. You don't see a dialogue across lines that are shaped by people who are now living by stories that they're uh, Joe Sixpack or Joe the Plumber uh, or they are snobs that look down on other people who really do act 
as snobs. And I think I talked about this before. If I went to Harvard, if I have a college education, I'm too much better than you to even talk to you. Um, there is that back and forth. And so uh, it's not the elitism that bothers me. I mean, I like watching elite athletes, and I like watching uh, uh, people who I, I like only going to elite doctors. Um, uh, and I, as I get older, I have to go to more and more doctors, and I'm beginning to find that if I go to the wrong doctor, uh, it adds to grief that is just uh, uh, terrible, uh, which was avoidable if I had gone to the right doctor. So I like elites. I like people who are very smart and educated. This does not, however, make them better than anybody else. Just as it doesn't make anybody better who lives in a small town uh, who is better than people who are rich, uh, or the rich looking down their nose at the poor and saying uh, that you know, they're superior because of their money. Uh, these stories, these stories of snobism, these stories in which we denigrate the lives and ignore the stories of other people uh, is terribly problematic. And I get terrified when I see my society dividing up this way because Sammy Modiano, whose number on his arm, by the way, is 7456, that's the number they tattooed on him when he went into Auschwitz, uh, when, when he went in there, uh, the stories that we are seeing now lead to the kind of stories that say that Jews or homosexuals or uh, retarded people, people who are intellectually slow, or my political enemies are a disease on the fatherland, and the only way to handle the disease is to exterminate it. Uh, these camps were called extermination camps. And the kind of hatred uh, that is polarizing this country right now uh, involves a cross-telling of stories, not the kind of stories that accuse, not the kind of stories that celebrate uh, my value, of, that my value being greater than yours or your stories being making you better than me, but stories that say we're all struggling in the same chicken coop and we're all scratching out a living uh, and there are people who do good things and there are people who do bad things and we as a society have to resist doing the bad and do the good. And the good means, I think, in my value system, uh, bringing people together and helping people and, and trying to uh, reduce the uh, suffering in this world, so much of which is unavoidable, brought on by disease and age. Uh, just uh, last week, just two days before I got back from my trip, uh, one of my friends dropped dead on the tennis court in front of my other friends. And this is a terrible event whose story gets told over and over again because people are trying to work it through and work through the guilt <coughs> that happens when uh, he fell down and nobody knew uh, CPR, and nobody could help him, although I'm not sure, given what I was told, that anything much could have been done. Uh, although <laughs> now we're energized, we're going to bring defibrillators onto the tennis court with us because maybe that... Uh, uh, would have helped him if, if uh, he could have had his heart started again, if it stopped by an arrhythmia, which it may really have uh, taken place. Well, anyway, uh, I hope this is all making sense. I think we have to tell each other stories. 
And I think that means we listen to each other, and we listen to each other without judgment, without hostility, without fear. And um, this brings, does bring people together. This really does help. Also, the person who has been creating their own misery that comes out of a miserable past or an unhappy events in childhood or, or thereafter and allows them, uh, you see, to uh, reconstitute that story, to develop a new self, a self that feels calm in the face of the events that took place in the, in the past. Even if that, those events are perceived with emotion, there is still a calm, uh, a sense of security, a sense of authority, a sense of power in the telling of a new story from a new point of view, which brings into existence a new self. And I think this new self uh, is something that can emerge at any time in anybody's life if there is an opportunity uh, to be with people uh, to create events in which we tell our story and tell it in a way uh, that doesn't alienate, that doesn't get us attacked, uh, that brings us help and protection from those who might want to hurt us, uh, all these are elements, positive elements in the retelling of the stories that we live by. Uh, if anybody else would like to call in, I'm happy to get a call today. I often seem to get uh, information after the show about how many people called in, and sometimes three, four people have called in, but they don't register on my switchboard. Uh, today, the gentleman who called uh, uh, did register on the switchboard and uh, I'm going to keep his number, and uh, I will try to call him back another time and see if uh, he can uh, share stories with us. By the way, I don't want to be harangued on a show. I'd like to really have a good discussion. And uh, if anybody would like to call in, uh, the number, or I have to see what the number is here. Yes, the number to call in is 646 716 Seven seven five six. That's six four six seven one six seven seven five six. And in the remaining time, I would be delighted to have a chat with anybody who is there. Otherwise, I feel I have said what I wanted to say. A um, couple of minutes remaining, and I think then that uh, I'm going to hang up. Next week, I will try very hard to be on the air. I think it's difficult if I'm not on the air uh, uh, frequently uh, that people drift away and I get fewer and fewer listeners. And uh, telling my story and listening to your stories and uh, sharing stories is very vital to me as I get older. And uh, I made the commitment to retire and I'm now three years into my retirement. And uh, this is my only outlet uh, to activities that uh, I stopped enjoying in many ways, uh, but still in many ways miss teaching, uh, seeing people that I used to call patients that uh, I never found a good name. I guess I, the name I used to use was the people I worked with. Uh, clients seemed to be a word that was taken. You know, lawyers have clients. Um, and certainly I find the word patient odious because none of the people who I ever worked with was sick. I mean, in any sense that brought them to me. Uh, they had sicknesses and real illnesses that they were being treated for by real doctors, 
and wanted to talk about uh, the stories that were being shaped and, and, and the events that were shaping their lives and their stories because of these illnesses. But I didn't work with them as a physician, as a doctor. I worked with them as somebody who uh, wanted to hear these stories and help them come to grips uh, and develop a perspective that might be uh, better and more helpful uh, and less painful than the one that they were shaping or had been fed through their childhood or increasingly in the media and on the air that I think uh, not only go nowhere, but are very, very uh, painful and harmful in the long run to all of us. So thank you, Marion. Thank you all. Uh, It's been my pleasure. And uh, I will hopefully be on the air again next Monday at 4 o'clock. And I think uh, that's it for today. Take care. Goodbye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.